All right, good morning. If you have your Bibles, and I'm going to look out a little bit to a few people here. I want to make sure I get some eye contact, get used to that. We have a few people here, but good morning to you guys that are online. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll continue in our study of the book of Matthew and this chapter 13 that is full of stories or full of parables is what this is. There's, I think there's seven or eight simple stories that Jesus tells in chapter 13. And each one of these stories are very simple, but they hold valuable truth, truth that we, we need. Truth that I think would be fundamental to the church if we understood these parables. And Jesus doesn't just tell us the stories, he gives us the explanation of it. And we'll have that here in this passage today. This story that he's going to tell today is a very simple story that's been called the wheat and the tares. But that's two words that I don't think many people would understand. I've got my kids here today, and if I ask them what's a wheat and what's a tear, I don't think they could tell me. Maybe some of you guys online don't know the difference between a wheat and a tear. So I've changed the title of it from the parable of the wheat and tares to the parable of the true and the false, or the parable of the real and the fake. Actually, I've titled the sermon the parable of counterfeit Christians, because that's what Jesus is talking about here. The parable of those who are fake, who are phony, who are false Christians. I like the word counterfeit, and you'll see why in just a second. But again, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be reading verses 24 through 30, and I think I'll skip a few verses, and then I'll read verses 36 through 43 to give you the explanation of this parable of counterfeit Christians. And we're going to see the reality. And I'll even show you the problem of counterfeit Christians in the church, not just in Jesus' time, but in our time today. There are fake Christians amongst us. So let's read these verses, starting in verse 24 and going through verse 30. And Jesus, and he says, in another parable, put he forth unto them, saying, and again, parable, a story, with a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man, which soweth good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then we're going to skip a few verses here as he tells another parable, but down in verse 36, the disciples come to him. It says in verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Will you explain to us what that means? And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there will be welling and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And I love that last phrase. It's not just that you have physical ears to hear, but you have heart to understand. There's a big difference between hearing what is said and understanding what is said. So let's pray together. And I'm going to pray that everybody listening, those that are here with us this morning, just a handful of people, and, and those who are watching online, hopefully more, 
that you would have ears to hear, to understand what this passage teaches us today. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I think this is very valuable truth. This is truth that we need to hear. I think it's truth that I need as a pastor to hear. It's truth that our churches, if we understood this, it would make things a lot easier for us. So God, help us not just to hear these words, but to understand them. And God, for my church, that some are here and some are online, I pray your blessings upon them. I miss my church family. And God, I pray that you would watch over them. It's hard when your, your sheep are scattered. They're all, all over the place. I love having the, all the sheep together in the, here in the church. But God, I pray until we can come back together again that you would watch over them and use this medium of online sermons to enrich their hearts, to edify their souls. God, please bless us today. Help us today. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As, as we look at this, I, I know that you know that uh, there's a lot of things that are counterfeited in our culture, in our world. You, you see things that, that they counterfeit, and usually they counterfeit something that is, I won't say usually, all the time, they counterfeit something that is very, very, very valuable, something that is worth something. They don't counterfeit things that are of no value. They don't counterfeit things that are, that are awful. They, they counterfeit something that is great. And the things that they most often, if I was to ask a crowd of people here today, what, do you, what can you say is most often counterfeited? There's two things that stand out. There's number one, they counterfeit money. That, that is a big one. You go into a store, and I don't get to do it often, but uh, sometimes I'll go into the store and Steph will give me a, a nice, clean $100 bill to pay with. I mean, that happens once in, in a little, well, maybe never, but every, every now and then you might get a, a $100 bill and you get to take it to the store and you hand it to the clerk and, and you pay with it and they'll look at it and they're going to they're gonna examine it. They're, they're going to take it and, and put it under the light. I think there's like eight different ways they can tell whether a bill is counterfeit or not. There's a strip in it. They'll even take a marker and mark on it to test and see if it's counterfeit because a counterfeit bill shows up one color and a real bill shows up in another color. So there's counterfeit money. It's valuable. It's worth a lot. So you have people that will come in and counterfeit it. There's also jewelry. There's also diamonds that, that, that can be counterfeited, and people will come in. I, I've seen it. I, I think they call it a loop or a loop A. I'm not good with the language, so I don't know how they pronounce that. But you, you go, and, and they're going to examine a diamond to see if it's real or not, and they put this, again, loop or loop A. Somebody online can Google that and tell me how it's pronounced. But they take this little thing in their eye, and they look at it, and they zoom it in on it to see if, if the, the diamond is real or not. And then sometimes they'll even take a diamond and they'll breathe on it to see if the breath will show up. Because a real diamond, the breath doesn't stay there very long, but a fake one, it will. I'm, I'm teaching you a lot. You guys can check your diamonds. Uh, Steph, don't check yours. <laughs> see, there's different ways that you can check jewelry, that you can check uh, money because it's counterfeited. That, that's the truth of, of, or the reality of life, things that are fake. And it's the same thing in the church, that uh, as Christians are of great worth, they're of great value, so there's going to be counterfeit Christians. There's going to be fake Christians. There's going to be those who say they're Christians, who claim they are, who will post it on their, on their social media, who will have it uh, tell everybody, and they'll go to church, and they'll, they'll act like a Christian, and they'll do things like a Christian, but in reality, they're not. They don't stand up to the, to the test. So we have fake Christians. There's a lot that flies under the banner of Christianity that truly isn't Christianity when it's put to the test. And we need to understand that. There are fake Christians. There are phony Christians. There are counterfeit Christians that, that, that won't pass the test. And I think it's one of the biggest problems in the church today, if not the biggest, is that churches are full of counterfeit Christians. They're full of fake Christians. They're full of people who say they are, and in reality, they're not. I found a quote this week by uh, Vance Havner, and he said, there's too many in the church that are stretched and ironed, 
but they've never been washed. That's a great quote. They, they know how to act like a Christian. They know how to look like a Christian, but they're not truly saved. And it's real hard to tell the difference between somebody who is real and somebody who's fake. You can't just look at a church full of people and say, I bet you're real and I, I bet you're fake. It's hard to tell the difference. So the question is, and that's what Jesus is getting at in this parable, because He had one that was fake amongst Him. He had 12 disciples and there was one that was a phony. So what Jesus is going to tell us here is, what do we do about it? It's a big problem. It's a, a big question. And Jesus has an answer. What do we do with those who are among us who aren't real? Who are phonies? And He doesn't just tell us the answer. He could have just told us, here's what you do. And outlined it for us in one, two, three points. But here's what He does. He tells us a story. A parable in this passage. A real world, very familiar Scene that everybody would understand. A sower going out to sow in the field. And growing up in that field are going to be two different, two types of wheat or grass. There's going to be the weeds and there's going to be the, the wheat. And they're going to grow up together. They're going to all be the same. And he tells us this story in order for us to understand what to do about those who are fake in the church. I think that's something that's very valuable for us to learn today. This is a, a very important parable for us that tells us where counterfeit Christians come from. It tells us what to do with them when we find them. And it tells us what's going to happen to them in the end. Very valuable, very important. I would say even extremely important lesson for the church to understand the reality that there are fake Christians in the church. It's not going to be full of, of genuine, authentic Christians. There, there are going to be. And this may surprise some of you out there. Because some people act surprised by this. There are going to be hypocrites in the church. Oh, you know, everybody's so surprised by that. No, it's going to happen. And guess what? There are hypocrites in every church. Not just all the churches, but in your church. If you're watching this and you go to another church and you're a part of another church, guess what? There's hypocrites in your church. There's fake Christians in your church. You say, Josh, is there fake Christians in West End? Yeah. In every church, there will be those who are wheat and those who are weeds. So we're going to look at this today and understand this. I think this would make a world of difference if we truly understood counterfeit Christians. So let's look at that today, the parable of counterfeit Christians. And I'm going to give you, I mean, I think you guys know how I do things, so I'm going to give you three points as we work our way through this passage today. And I'll go ahead and give you the points in case you want to write these down. I want to show you the sowing, I want to show you the growing, and then I want to show you the knowing. So there's your three points as we work our way through this, this parable. The sowing, the growing, and the knowing. So let, let's start with number one. The sowing of the tares or of the counterfeit Christians. You see there in, in verse 24, and I'll, I will turn back to verse 37 too. But in verse 20, 24 he says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good, good seed in his field. And if you look at verse 37, it says, And he answered and said unto them, explaining it, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. So we see here that the sower in this, in this part of the story, the good seed, is Jesus, the son of man. I, I love the name the son of man. That's the name that he used more than any other name for himself. He is the son of God, which is his, his name of deity, that he is, is God in flesh. But his, his name, the son of man, is showing us that he is God incarnate, that he is God with us, that he's God down here with man. And he uses that term, the, the sower is the son of man. The sower is Jesus Christ. And he goes out, he owns the field, he's the owner, he's Lord over it, he has servants, and he goes out with his, his bag of seed and he's sowing good seed on the ground 
And this good seed, this goes back to the parable from last week, he's sowing good seed on the ground, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going out and he's telling them the good news with a, with a smile on his face. You can be saved. Your sins can be forgiven. You can go to heaven. You can escape hell. If you'll just believe in me, if you'll follow me, you can be saved. What good news he's throwing out. That's good seed. That's the kind of seed that you need to hear through Facebook right now. That's the kind, of, the kind of news that you need to hear all the time. It's bad news, bad news, bad news. Let me tell you some good news today. You can be saved if you believe in Jesus. That's the good seed that He's throwing. And this good seed, this soul-saving, life-changing, eternity-altering gospel message that He's sowing falls on good ground. And it becomes a like this. He throws the seed. This is just a good picture for us in the church that as we preach the gospel, it's going to fall on good ground and it's going to, we have that, that imperishable seed by which we are born again that it goes into the heart, into the ground, and then it's going to come up as wheat is what he calls it, which is a valuable, a, a very worthwhile commodity. So this wheat comes up. They loved wheat and it comes up out of the ground. So it's good seed and it produces good fruit. He calls this seed the children of God. Romans 10 talks about how will they know without a preacher. Blessed are the, blessed are the feet of those who bring the gospel of good news. That's the sower. Jesus is sowing the good seed or has been sowing the good seed and it goes into the ground and, and there's people that believe and are saved and they become the wheat in this story. So good crop, good results. This is good. But watch what happens right behind him. You see in verse 25, and I'm flipping back and forth here. In verse 25, it says, But while the servant slept, his enemy came. Understand there's an enemy. Verse 39 calls this enemy the devil. You see there, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. That comes in right behind Jesus. There's a real enemy in the midst of this gospel preaching. In the midst of the church, there's a real enemy. Last week, the gospel seed was sown and the devil came in right behind and it's compared to a bird that comes in and grabs it up and takes it. So here, within the church and in the world, you're going to have good seed being thrown out, not just by Jesus, but by gospel preachers going out and sowing the good seed and people are being saved and it's an amazing thing. Great results. And right behind Jesus, right behind a gospel preacher is the enemy, is Satan, is the principalities and powers of the air that comes in and opposes is the adversary, the wicked one that is against Jesus, dead set against the gospel and comes in right behind. This is a satanic attack. And what does Satan do? Comes in, it says, while they're asleep. Comes in while they're not paying attention. Comes in while they're snoozing. And a lot of times the Bible compares the church to us to being sleepy, that we let our guard down. And while we let our guard down, the devil comes in and sows his seed. Not the good seed, but bad seed. A completely different seed. And, and, and watch what he does. He sows, sows tares. And I'm going to explain to you what tares is. I want you to hang with me on this one because I had to look this up and make sure I understood what it was. But it, basically what he's doing is planting a counterfeit seed. It's a seed that the wheat seed and, and the, the tare seed look so much alike. And, and he'll throw the, the, the counterfeit seed, the tare seed, into the ground. And it's identical to the wheat. You can't tell the difference. And it goes into the ground. And, and what he's trying to do here, you can't tell it apart. What he's trying to do here is spoil the harvest. He's sowing weeds. 
And the more weeds you get in there, the more it chokes out the good seed, the wheat. So the devil's coming in to spoil the harvest, to ruin the work, to wreak havoc upon the crop. All in secret, all in stealth, all behind the scenes, so nobody will see him do it. He comes in very sneakily and just throws little, little bad seeds within the church. Just like he did with Judas in the twelve, just throwing a little bit of bad seed in. And the result of these seeds are not children of God, but children of the devil. So the devil comes in right behind it. And I want you to understand that this is a good application point for us, that when God works, Satan works. When God is at work, I'll say this, when God opens the windows of heaven to bless a church, Satan opens the doors of hell to blast against the church. The same, we can use the example of Adam and Eve as God created Adam and Eve with His own breath and His own hand out of nothing. And He created Adam and Eve and He set them there in the garden. Right behind God came in Satan. And he had Moses trying to save the people uh, from, from Egypt, the Israelites from Egypt. And, and he came in and he did his miracles and he performed, he, he, he turned the stick into a snake and back and forth. And all of a sudden the magicians came in and done the same thing. You go to the book of Acts and it's the same thing. The gospel preachers come in and then Satan comes in with his own right behind them. It's the same thing with our kids. We need to understand this. I know that as I preach truth to my kids, Gracie sitting here, Christian sitting there, Isaiah over there, I don't see Emma. She's around here somewhere. She's over here somewhere. But as I sow good seed in their ears and tell them the truth, Satan's going to come in right behind me and is going to sow bad seed in their ears and try to convince them otherwise. It's the same thing with your children, with your teenagers. As the Gospel is preached to them, they're going to go out in the world and in the news and on TV and in music and from friends and from teachers and professors. They're going to get bad seed in their ears. That's how Satan works. We need to be careful. And some of Satan's greatest works, understand this, is religious work. It's not a drunkard that he's after. It's an unsaved deacon. It's not a prostitute that he's after. It's an unsaved preacher. It's not a hellish sinner that he wants. That's obvious. It's a hypocritical saint. Where he does his greatest work. He's not against religion. It's one of his best tools. It's in his bag of tricks. And he uses it more than any other tool that he has. Satan is just as apt to work in the midst of a church. As he is out there in the world. And how does he do it? What's his seed look like? And I've got to hurry to get through this point. But this is a very important point of the passage. What's his tricks? I want to show you what's in his bag of tricks. I want to show you his seed. I want to give you just a few things. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 will show you some of his bag of tricks. This isn't something that I'm going to make up here. I want to show you what he uses. And he uses he used it then and he uses it now. 2 Corinthians 11 will tell us the counterfeit seed that he uses. And you've got, to be, you've got to be on guard against these things. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read the first four verses here. It says, Would to God, this is Paul, to the church at Corinth where bad seed was being sown. It says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, I fear, that as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he that cometh preacheth, here's the seed, the first seed that he uses, the counterfeit Jesus. 
For he that cometh preaches another Jesus. I was listening to a preacher the other day online on Facebook. And he said this, he said, I, I will partner with anybody. I will team up with any church. He said, my theology, my doctrine, my dogma is just Jesus. Jesus only. That, that, that's it. I don't, have to, I don't have to agree with you on anything else. Just Jesus. If you say Jesus, I say Jesus. We're, we're on the same team, man. We lock up. Just Jesus. Well, you've got to be very careful because Satan comes in and sows a counterfeit Jesus in a lot of churches. I, I can name several. You've you, you got to be careful with the... What, what if that, that, that preacher, and I, I won't name names, but what if that preacher had a Mormon come to his door and look at him and say, just Jesus, just Jesus. I'm here preaching Jesus. I'm a Jesus guy. We're, we're, the, we're a, a Jesus cult. Would you say, yeah, man, we're going to team up with, with Jesus, but you understand that that's a, a bad seed in the, in the Mormon faith. It's a bad Jesus. You've got to make sure you got the, the right Jesus. What if a Jehovah's Witnesses come up and said, oh, we're just Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You've got to be very careful with that, that you have the right Jesus, the Jesus that, that is God in flesh, that was born of a virgin, that lived a perfect life, that died a, a substitutionary death on our behalf, that was buried and rose again on the third day, that ascended into heaven, is coming back again one day to make all things right. You've got to have the right Jesus. So be careful with a counterfeit Jesus. You can't just get up and say, Jesus... <laughs> I mean, Jesus even said in Matthew 24, there'll be all kinds of false Christs. They'll come and say, I'm Christ, and I'm Christ, and I'm Christ. Let's move on. Verse 4 again. For he that cometh and preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive, look at this, another spirit. (laughs) There's a counterfeit spirit. You say, what does that mean? A counterfeit spirit. How many times have you heard somebody in the church say, you ask them, say, are you saved? Tell me your testimony. And they come back with, let me tell you what happened to me 20 years ago. I was in a church and I cried tears and I was happy and I was shaken and they had this emotional experience. I heard a guy say the other day, he was telling his testimony. He said, I was in a church on a Wednesday night and the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. I said, you've got to be careful with that. 1 John 1 says, try the spirits and see if they be of God. That might not have been the Holy Spirit. Joseph Smith of Mormonism, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on Mormonism, but Joseph Smith had an experience. He said he was out in the woods and some, and, and, and he heard from God and, and, he, and he had this experience with some kind of angel and he might have saw something. He might, he might have saw something that, that wasn't of God but was of the devil. Most likely that's what happened. And you've got to t- try the spirits. Was that experience real? Was that real? Was it, was it real? Is this, is this biblical? Because that's how Satan throws in, sows in bad seed within the church when it's some experience that's not tied to Scripture. Let me move on. Tested, it says. And we'll look at, move on in chapter 11 with me to verses 13 and 14. It says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. So not only do you have counterfeit Jesus, you have a counterfeit spirit, you have a counterfeit teacher. That'll stand up and preach not the truth, but a counterfeit gospel. A gospel that is no gospel. A gospel that does not save. 
Satan does his greatest work in, in a pulpit, that a preacher gets up and sows bad seed. You better make sure that your preacher is preaching straight from the Bible and he's not doing anything other than that. That he's a Bible preacher, that he stands up and says, thus saith the Word of God, that he's a, a gospel man and he's not preaching any other message. Let him be accursed if he preaches any other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, what kind of gospels could a preacher preach? There's the anti-gospel, that's not good news at all, that you have to work your way to salvation. That's not good news. You have the prosperity gospel, that's only good news for the people preaching it. You have the social gospel, that's good news for now, but not good news for later. And preachers all the time getting up, throwing out bad seed. And what do they create? They create counterfeit Christians. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six, 26. Same chapter. At the very bottom of that verse, after all that Paul's been through, and you could, you could read that for yourself starting in verse 16, he says, look at all I've been through. How he's suffered, how he's been devoured, how he's been on shipwrecks. I mean, just, just the suffering he's been through. Verse 24 says, of, of the Jews five times he received stripes. Verse 25, he's beaten with rods. Stone, shipwrecked, day and the night in the deep, journeyings often, perils of water, perils of robbers. And he goes down through there and tells all the things that he's been through. But what's one of the last things that he says there in verse 26? Perils among those who are counterfeit Christians. What's hurt him worse than anything else are those who were with him amongst him and they wasn't even real. Right there with Paul, weeds. Right there with Jesus, Judas, weeds. And they'll be right here with us in the church. It's a reality. Big problem. It's going to go on right until the end of the age. He says there in that passage, and if you want to go back there, you can. Back to Matthew chapter 13. It's going to be with us until the end of the age, he says. It's going to go right on and on and on. There will always be counterfeit Christians, fake Christians in the church because there's going to be counterfeit Jesus, counterfeit spirit. There's going to be a counterfeit preacher with a counterfeit gospel that's going to create counterfeit Christians. It's just how it's going to go. And Jesus isn't surprised by that. He's not caught off guard with it. He told us, and we need to know that. We need to expect it. We don't need to be surprised when there's counterfeit, fake Christians in the church. It doesn't need to catch us where we were. Oh no! I, didn't, I never expected this to happen. Now Jesus said expect it. And the very next point that we're going to look at now is how to deal with it. What do we do with these counterfeit Christians in the church? What do we do with the weeds? And that's our second point. You've seen the sowing. Now let me show you the growing. He says in verse 27, So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? Then how come it has tares in it? Did you not preach a good gospel? Then why in the world are there weeds in your church? As they grow, you begin to notice. And that's the truth about counterfeit Christians, that they can pretend to be a Christian and act like a Christian for so long, but it doesn't take very long for the true nature to come out and you see them for what they really are. That's what you said. Just, just watch people. Just see people, how long they last. And see how and so, you know, they'll grow up a little bit and they look just like Christians and they look just like wheat. And before you know it, they begin to show themselves. The fruit comes out. And these servants noticed that. They said, uh, we see wheat out there. We thought we sowed only good Seed. They, look, they, go, they go to the master and they say something isn't right. They discern that something is off with these weeds and they ask. This is a good question. I, I found this funny just because I, I see myself in this in verse 28. He said unto them, Jesus said, the enemy's done this. And the servant said unto him, 
Wilt thou then that we can go and gather them up? And the question is, can we go pull the weeds up? Will you let us go out into the field and let us discern and let us judge and let's go out there and, 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 they're, and they're all together out there in the field. You can imagine that. The wheat's growing and the weeds are growing and they're side by side and some, in some places the roots have become so intertwined that they're actually together and they go out there and they say, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll make the master happy. Let us go and we'll pull up the weeds and we'll leave the wheat. We'll pull up the weeds and we'll leave the wheat and we'll take those weeds and we'll put them in a bundle and we'll burn them. We'll, we'll, we'll get rid of them for you. Will you let us do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let us do it. I mean, they're so excited. There's, there's zeal. Give us the sickle and let us judge that weed. You say, what does that mean? It's the tendency of Christians to be very judgmental and want to go in and rip out anybody that they don't think is right. That's what they're asking for here. It's like me. I'm going to tell this story. I, I, I think it's, for me, it was funny. My papa had heart surgery back many years ago before he passed away. And when he came home, he wasn't allowed to weed eat anymore. Or so they said. <laughs> and they asked me to go and weed eat for my papa. And he was a meticulous weed eater. He had these flowers here and had these flowers here. And he handed me his weed eater and said, all right, go on. And I'm the type of weeder that's, I'm not meticulous. I hit everything. I don't care if it's a flower. I don't care if it's a rose bush. It's, it's getting hit. I'm not taking the time to do a little bit here and a little bit there. I'm, that, that, that's what he's talking about here. Let us go in and just, woo, I'm going to take it all out. My papa right behind me with a big cut down his chest. said, give me that weed eater. And there he went just meticulously. Got every bit of the weeds. And left the good. But we have a tendency. As Christians. To want to go in just full force. And take them all out. Anybody that doesn't agree with us. Anybody that doesn't look like us. Anybody that doesn't act like us. Anybody that doesn't have our beliefs and our theology. Anybody that's not a church like ours. And we'll give a long name of this, 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 and this. This is what we believe. And if you don't agree with us. You're going to hell. You're a weed. And just sit there and just take it all out. And that's what they're wanting to do. Let's just take it out. Take every bit of the weeds out. We want to purify the church. We want a clean house. We want to get rid of, of everybody. And that's how the, the disciples were. They were the sons of thunder. They were the re weed pullers. And they were the, the reapers. We've had that type of people in the church throughout all time. The Baptists in the early days were drowned by other denominations because they baptized by immersion. They said, you want to baptize? We'll show you baptism. And they drowned them. You don't agree with us? We'll get rid of you. We'll, we'll zap you out of here. Same thing with the Lord's Supper. You don't agree with us? We'll, we'll burn you at the stake. Christians burning other Christians at the stake. Exterminating whole churches and belief systems where we want to become the judge and the jury and the executioner, where we are the extremely judgmental, self-righteous Christians that if you ain't on my side, you ain't, you ain't saved. You're a weed. Mr. Angry. Mr. Anti-everything. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what they wanted to do. Let us just take them all out. Get rid of them all. And Jesus says, well, look what he says. Verse 29. Great word. Great King James word. But he said, nay. <laughs> 
I think we would say no, but you might want to start saying nay. No, don't do that. Don't act that way. Uh, what he says when he says nay is, that's not your job. It's not your job to, to, to separate the wheat and the tares. No. And then he tells them why. Lest while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. If you go full force on the weeds, you're more than likely going to cut down the wheat too. Just like me with my Papaw's weed eater. I'm more than likely, and I did. That's the reason he took it from me. He never gave it back to me. He wasn't mean about it. He just said, that's not your job. You can't do that like I can. And that's the same thing that Jesus is teaching them. You, you may have some discernment. You may be able to see, well, that's not right, and that's not right, and yeah, that, that's a little bit wrong. But you can't read people's hearts. That's not your job. We are likely to get it wrong. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not always perfect if that surprises you. So that I'm, I'm the type that I could be easily lenient on people and give them a little bit more than what they need. And you have other types that are way too strict and, and they're going to say, no, if you cross this line, maybe their line is here and my line is way down here. We're just not very good at judging. Because it's not our job to judge. I can't read your heart. You can't read my heart. It's not my job to say it. I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury. I'm not the executioner. And that's what he's saying here. You're, you go in there, you're going to pull up not just the tares, you're going to pull up the wheat. And there are some types in the church that they just come in and they, they don't care a thing about the wheat as long as they can rip out the tares. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The wheat is more valuable to me than ripping out the tares. How long... Do you think Jesus could have ripped out... Judas way before he did. He let Judas just stay there with him for three years. He could have easily just ripped him out of there. Weed. Fake. Phony. Counterfeit. But he patiently let him grow until he showed himself to be what he really was. Give people time and they'll show who they really are. It's not our job. Get this. <laughs> And I've, I know people that do this, and I, I had that tendency early on to do the same thing. That every time somebody came into the church and said they were saved, I'd put my little, I can't even remember what it was now, I have to go back to my first page of notes, but that little goggle on, that little microscope on, and, and just zoom in on their lives. Ooh, that ain't right. You must be fake. Ooh, that ain't right. You must be fake. Ooh, that ain't right. You must be fake. I've seen people do that with sermons. I've seen listen to a preacher, and if he just he's just off by that much. He says something that he, that he really didn't even mean to say, or, or take him out of context. And they got that, and they're sitting there, ooh, ooh he's wrong. He's a fake. He, he's not Christian. He's going to hell. <laughs> or they sit there and mark up everybody like they do money, hold it up to the light. I don't want to do that to my kids. I don't want to do that to my church. And I'm constantly holding them up to the light and saying, are they real? Are they real? Are they real? The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, but it never tells us to examine others and see if they're in the faith. That's not my job. That's not your job. Whose job is it? That's where he's moving to. It's easy for us to get it wrong. So we must defer to 
the one who can, like I did with Papaw, meticulously work his way through his garden. And who's the only one that can meticulously work his way through the garden? The reapers. Look what he says in verse, as we move to our final point, I showed you the sowing and the growing and the no, and now we look at the knowing. Because it's not our job. We don't have, the, we're not the judge with a gavel in our hand. We're not the reaper with a, a sickle in our hand coming ready to, to wipe it out. That's not our job. God didn't give us a, a gavel. <laughs> I love this. If you'll hang with me here, this is pretty good. This is full of, of application. God didn't give us a, a gavel to be the judge. He didn't give us a, a, a sickle to be the reaper and come in and, and, and to destroy people. He, you know what He gave us? He gave us seed to go out and throw the gospel to people. That's our job. Our job isn't to judge. Our job isn't to reap. Our job isn't to be the executioner. Our job is to be the sower and to go out and sow the seed. That's what He's telling us to do, to preach the Gospel. Stand for the truth. Stand against sin. Stand against evil. Preach the Gospel and let God be the judge of people's hearts. So let me show you the knowing. How will, when will they be known? He says in the end, you see that in verse 30, He says, let both grow together, that was the second point, until when? Until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, then I'll say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them into bundles and to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So he's talking about the end of the age. The end of the world. The last period on the last sentence of the last paragraph of the last page of the last book. This is it at the end. He's going to send in. This is it. Now is the age of grace. Now is the age of preaching the gospel. Now is the age when we throw out the seed. That, that's, that's the time we're living in now. So go out and throw the seed. Go out and, and, and show grace. Go out and, and don't point fingers, but open up your arms and, and invite people to come and be saved. Today is the age of grace, of the gospel, of inviting people to be saved. But at some point, that age of grace, that age of, of sowing, it ends. It's over. It will be no more. And at that point, it says that God's going to send executioners. <laughs> That's what a reaper is. He's going to send out His angels. These mighty reapers. And you can picture that. An angel with a sickle in his hand. Let me show you. <laughs> Revelation 14, if you guys want to go there. This is not just a story. This is how it works. Revelation 14, verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud, one set like unto the, who is that? The Son of Man. Having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, and said, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time has come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat in the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. I can just hear. I've never seen it done, but I've watched it on videos of a reaper coming in with his sickle and just whoosh, whoosh, cutting them down. And this angel will come in, this reaper will come in with his and so, and this reaper will make no mistakes, and he will discern it with perfect judgment. 
And he will hit it exactly where it needs to be hit. And then he has the job of separating what he cuts down into two piles. Just like my papa when he was cutting the weeds, he knew exactly where the weeds were to be cut and what was to be left. He had the good and he had the bad. And this angel is going to come in in the end and just with his sickle just reap the world and separate everybody into two piles. Just like, a, just like they'd separate the, the wheat on one side and they'd take it and they'd put it in the barn because it was valuable, it was worthwhile. And then they'll take the, the, the weeds or, or the tares and they'll take them and they don't put them in the barn, they take and put them to be burned. You either go in the barn or you're going to be burned. You either go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. So we wait and let God be the judge of where they go. This is a vivid description of, of the end when the angel comes in and, and, and there's no fooling the angels. <laughs> this is the, the, there, there's no, you can fool me. I mean, and, and I can be easily fooled. That, that's just how it works. You could fool me. You can wear the, the clothes. You can act the way you ought to act and talk the way you ought to talk. And you can be in church and you can grow up right with every one of us. And we can think, yeah, that guy's real. I, I'm, I have one person in my mind that I, that I was told about years ago. They told me several, you said, I mean, this person was talking to me and they said, this is, this is a true story. Person talking to me, they said, we grew up in church and there was one guy, one guy, he'd done this in the church and he'd done this in the church and he'd done this in the church and he was the best Christian I ever knew. He was the guy that I followed. He was the guy that taught me. If anybody was a Christian, it was him. That was years ago I was told that. And it wasn't long ago, this same person came up to me and said, do you know where that guy's at now? I said, I don't know the guy. What, what happened? He's left his wife. He's living like hell. Drugs, alcohol. I grew up with that guy. He had me fooled. We are easily fooled. Satan even can, can, can fool us and ourselves. Where he whispers in our ear, you're wheat. You're wheat. You're wheat. And all along, you're wheat. So you can fool me, and I can fool you. But you can't fool God. He knows the hearts of men. He knows who are His and who isn't. That's why it's not our job to judge. And this angel comes in, and the counterfeits are exposed. They're cut down. They're gathered up. They're bundled together. And they're burned. It says in verse 40, let's read verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered. And they're burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. And the Son of Man shall send forth His angels and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And cast them, shall cast them into the furnace of fire. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is a vivid picture of where counterfeit Christians go. That they can't stand before God and say, I did this and I did that. They can't stand before God with a counterfeit bill and think they can get in. Or say it this way, they can't stand before God. Because you can even fake uh, cashiers at a, at a gas station and hand them a fake bill and then get by with it. But, and you can fake me right now with your faith and say it's okay. But you can't stand before God and hand Him a fake faith and, and fool God. 
I did this and I did that and I, 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 was, well, I, was, I was everything that I was supposed to be. I mean, you can turn back to Matthew 7. You don't have to turn there. Just let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 7. Didn't, didn't plan on doing this. But he says, Not everyone in verse 21 that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and have in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Fake, 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 fake. Cast out devils. There, there's of the, they, they would say that was a counterfeit spirit, was it not? They, they would have a counterfeit Jesus and a, and a counterfeit gospel. We've done this, fake. We've done this, fake. We've done this, fake. We've done this, fake. And Jesus will look at them in that day and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Wow. Terrifying picture of endless torture. Bundling up all those who are counterfeit and throwing them into the fire to be burned. And it says two words, two phrases here. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping is torture. Pain. You can't imagine the weeping that goes with this pain that's going to be in hell for all eternity. The gnashing of teeth, some people say, and I would agree, I think it's both. But on one hand, they say that's also a, a grinding of your teeth in pain. That you're in such pain that you're grinding your teeth together. But it's also used in, in Acts and throughout the Old Testament as an anger. That you're grinding your teeth throughout all eternity in anger. In anger at who? Are you angry at yourself for not believing? Maybe. Are you angry at God for sending you to hell? Maybe. But you're going to spend all of hell in torturous pain and anger and anguish. That's not a, that's not a good picture. Revelation 19 calls it the lake of fire. Mark 9 says it's unquenchable. It never ends. It's going to go on and on. As long as heaven is heaven, hell will be hell. Matthew 25 says it's everlasting torture. I know that's not popular and there could be several of them on Facebook right now that's cut me off as you talk about hell. But we need to know, even in the church and be warned of it, that there's a hell to be shunned. There's a hell to be avoided. That we need to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're not going to be a weed that is bundled up in the end and cast into the fire to be burned for all eternity. This is not a game that we play that you get a second chance at. My kids are, my boys and, and even Emma now are Fortnite players. And they'll sit and scream at each other over and over and over. Oh, you killed me. Oh, you killed me. Oh, you killed me. And you know what happens when they get killed on Fortnite? I don't know much about it, but I'm assuming that they get another chance. You know why I assume that? Because they never stop playing. If they died one time and it was over, which would be so nice. No more Fortnite. But they die and get another chance. They die. And I think they call that, what do, they, what do you call that when you get another, you spawn or something like that? They laughing at me because I don't know what I'm talking about. But you get another chance. You die here. You don't get another chance. This is reality. This isn't a game. God's not playing games here. This is a warning if it's anything at all. For those who are sitting in pews 
to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they know that they're not weeds, but that they are wheat. That they're not the bad seed, but they're the good seed. That they're not, they're not faking everybody out, even themselves out, but that they're right with God. They're going to escape hell. They're going to enter heaven. That their faith is in Jesus Christ beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's what this is. It's a warning. You don't want to be surprised in the end and stand before God thinking that you're a wheat and end up being a weed that is cast into the fire for all eternity. You want to talk about gnashing at your teeth? You're going to be mad. Not at God, but at you for not getting it right. Stand before God and say, I, I was in church. I, I, got, I had an experience in Bible school. That's not going to make it. You better make sure your heart's right. My kid's sitting here right now that's laughing at me about Fortnite. Let me tell you this. It's not going to get you in heaven that you're a preacher's kid. That you sit through sermons when nobody else came. But that your heart's right. That your heart is that fourth soul in the first parable that was open and receptive to the Word of God. You must be that. Or the warning here is, there's a hell for those who are counterfeit Christians. You will be cut down. You may be able to fake it throughout all of your life and die and go to hell. I've heard this said so many times and I've got just a couple minutes left. There'll be more people go to hell from a pew than there will be from a, a bar on the outside. We've got to be careful that we're not the weeds. But also, not only is there a hell to shun, he tells us here the last thing, that there's a heaven to gain. Because he says there in verse 43, Then, changing the subject, shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Then, Matthew 24, 31 says, He'll gather the elect from the four corners of the world. The angel will come and gather all of his people from all over the world. And get this, and I want to say this, you need to get this. This may get me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's not too many people coming to church anyway. But there are places in the world where wheat is growing besides this place right here. There are some churches that think the only place that wheat is growing all over the world is in their church. But there is good seed being sown all over the world. There is good seed, and this is what's going to get me in trouble, there is good seed being sown outside of Baptist churches. <laughs> there is good seed being sown in Methodist churches. There's good seed being sown in Presbyterian churches. <laughs> there is good seed being sown all over the world. I may not agree with them on certain things, but I'm not going to say they're going to hell because they're Presbyterians. Or they're Methodists. There's good seed. And there is wheat growing in places all over the world. And the angel will come and will gather all of God's elect together. Matthew 24, 31. Gather his elect together into one big bundle. And take them and put them in the barn of their father of the sower. Right now, and I, I know this is a good point for today, we are scattered all over the place. Even this small church that we have here in southwest Virginia, we're not meeting together in the barn. We're, we're scattered everywhere. 
You're at your home. Some's at, some's at somebody else's home. We're here. And we desire to be gathered together. That's what we want. That's what God's people want to be together. And one day we'll be together in the church again. Maybe sooner than later. But one day when the end comes, the end of the age, the final period and the final sentence of the final paragraph of the final page of the final book is written. He won't just gather this church. He'll gather all of his people together. And in that gathering, there won't be one, not one weed. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. Do you know what makes us not shine as a sun right now in the world? You know what puts a black eye on the church today? Intermixed in with us are hypocrites, counterfeit Christians who give Christianity a bad name so that we don't shine like we should. It's just reality. I couldn't tell you how many times I've had people look at me and say, I don't go to church because of hypocrites. And I want to look at them and say, do you quit using money because there's counterfeit money? Nobody does that. Then why do you quit going to church because there's counterfeit Christians? It's just nonsense. But it does give Christianity a bad name. It makes us look bad. We can't shine like we ought to shine. But in the end, when he gathers everyone together, and there won't be one mistake. Where you know, I mean, sometimes I do that. I mean, like, like you, you'll weed it, you'll mow, and you, you'll accidentally cut down one flower, or you'll accidentally do you know just a little bit here, and you're like, ah, oh, it ain't no big deal. We'll just put it in there. You know, it's okay. I'll throw that away too. No, there won't be one piece of wheat that gets burned, and there won't be one weed that goes to heaven. It'll be a perfect, spotless, pure bride that goes to heaven and shines forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father what a picture it's a beautiful that that last verse is beautiful i think it's breathtaking that there will be no mixture at all and that shows us too what we'll talk about next week that the leaven of leaven is the whole loaf a little bit but here in the end it's all going to be pure what we desire now will be then so as I close here, he says there, I love how he closes. He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I think I ought to close every sermon that way. And that might be my new saying at the end of every sermon. If you've got ears to hear, if you can understand this, you need to understand this. Let there be no mistake about what was just said in this passage. You need to hear what was said. If you're an unbeliever here today, if you're watching online and you're an unbeliever, let me tell you, there's a hell to avoid. There's a, a hell that, that you need to shun, that you need to stay away from, that you need to do everything in your power not to go there. You say, how can I not go to hell? I want to escape hell. Let me out of hell. I don't want to burn. I I don't want to be weeping and gnashing of teeth for all eternity with no escape, no second chance, no way out. How can I, how can I get out? Well, the answer is clear. The gospel goes out. Good news. Let me smile at you today and say, I've got good news for you today. Trump doesn't always have good news for you. Dr. Fauci doesn't always have good news for you. Josh has good news for you today. Turn this channel on and listen to this good news. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you put your full faith and trust in Him, confessing your sins, He will forgive you of your sins, wipe them as far as the east is from the west to remember them no more. The slate will be clean. You'll be able to enter heaven and escape hell. And all it takes, all it takes, all it takes is putting your faith in Him. That's all it takes. That is good news. You don't have to work your way there. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be moral. You don't have to 
do nothing. Just trust in Jesus. That's good news. That's the gospel. Smile about it. And if you're here today and you don't know if you are or not, you're unsure. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Put your own faith under the test, under the microscope. Watch what he says. I want to read it and then then I'll, I'll close. Examine yourselves one time, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you. How many times, I'm showing you, my boys are saying, how many times, three times? Three times he says what? Yourselves. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. It's not my job to go around and examine everybody else's faith. It's my job to examine my own faith. I need to look at my own heart and my own life and make sure, make sure that I'm right with God. So I'm asking you today, if there's any doubt, if there's any wiggle room, I'm not sure whether I'm a weed or whether I'm wheat, whether I'm good or whether I'm a bad seed. If there's any doubt, right now make sure. Examine your own selves. Don't sit there and say, well, this sermon's for this guy. Boy, he needs to hear this. Examine your own selves. Examine your own selves. There was a preacher. He was at a conference one time, and I'll close with this story. He was at a conference one time, and they just got done listening to a couple preachers preach. And there's these young men come walking up to that preacher and said, did you hear what he just said? Did you hear what he just preached? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And then they looked at the preacher and they said, Do you think he's saved? And the preacher looked at him and said, Son, there's only one person in the world that I know is saved, and that's me. And sometimes I even doubt that. So back to you and back to me. It's not my job to judge the world. It's my job to examine myself, to see if I'm where I need to be, that I'm not a counterfeit Christian. I pray that you look at your own heart today and make sure that you're not fake, that you're not a phony, that you're not counterfeit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these words. And there are words of warning here. I think there's words of comfort as well. But let me focus now on the words of warning that you would take these words and that you would use them to, to pierce the hearts of the listeners that's within earshot of this sermon today. I believe the gospel has went out and I believe it will fall upon good ground and people will believe and there'll be the imperishable seed will grow and people will be born again by it. Please use, God, the seed that went out today to save souls. Please use it, God, to, to comfort those who are afflicted. And, God, please use it to convict those who are uh, still in their sin that they'd be saved. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this medium. I, I'm thankful for online sermons. This is good for us as, as long as we have it here. So bless, God, the preaching of your word and as it is broadcasted. Uh, to hundreds of people. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.